you wouldn't steal a car. You wouldn't steal a handbag. You wouldn't steal a television. You wouldn't steal a DVD. Downloading pirated podcasts is stealing. Stealing is against the law. Piracy, it's a crime, especially podcasts. Welcome to another bonus episode of the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. Oh man, I am Patrick Gremion. Wow. Welcome to The Academy. And I think we should just say straight off, I'm not Sal Pacino. I'm not, I'm not David Pacino. <laughs> We're talking about Al Pacino this season. <laughs> We're talking about it. This isn't the David Pacino bracket. And, you know, if you're come to podcasts for deep cuts in which we tell jokes based upon a special feature from a DVD that has been out of print for 10 years, you've come to the right podcast. Yes, to the, to the, to the one person that connected with us uh, in that moment. Uh like we owe you a drink or something. Like, or maybe you owe us a drink because, yeah, like, I, I, he, you must be crying and breaking. Like, finally, someone understands you. Well, they're they're, they're angry because this was their episode they've been waiting for to guest on. Oh <laughs> yeah, like, I had it. I have the actor's vision box set. <laughs> I was ready to go. Um, He's currently uh, carving <laughs> our names into his chest with his he, knife. <laughs> he's there somewhere in England trying to see if Americans can perform Shakespeare properly. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, but yes, we we're talking this week about the. It is a bonus episode. We finished up round one and we're talking an actor's vision. The 2007, released in June of 2007 by 20th Century Fox. This is the, I would say, like peak of the DVD era, if you ask me, is something like this. It is an utter curio. There's nothing like, I don't, I can't think of anything like it really. Oh, man. Um, the closest. It's incredible. Oh, it rules. The closest thing I can think about uh, that I can think that's like similar to this was I got like a DVD collection, maybe like 2008, 2009. And it was just like, um, it was on sale for like $20, even though it was clearly like had been at one point priced at maybe like 80 or 90. Huge box. It was like the gangster collection or something along those lines. And it basically had like uh it had casino. It was like all the kind of like uh, B sides. So it was like American Gangster, Casino, uh, Scarface, which isn't a B side, but it was in that collection. And then a uh, Carlito's Way, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but no Goodfellas, no Godfather. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, nothing, but there's nothing, that, I can't think of anything that's, like, just, like, for an actor, and it's just, they, like, an, yeah, an they actor's do this kind of thing. They do this kind of thing for directors, but even then, yeah, like, the, like, the amazing thing about this is, like, two of these films that are in here, Pacino basically owns and has barely released. And one of the, it seems in the case of Chinese Coffee, if the special features tell me, semi-embarrassed. But, yeah. um, oh, also local stagmatic a little bit too. Yeah. And and then the other film in the set is Looking for Richard, which did get a wide release. And, you know, I was looking this up and, you know, the, um, it made $1.4 million at the box office, which, is not for looking well we'll talk about it in a moment here but for a movie like looking for richard to make over a million dollars at the box office is pretty good it really does show like pacino's star power because it's a it's a strange very niche movie we'll put it that way it's like it's yeah it's very uh it almost feels like a special feature for a movie about like the like the Richard the Third movie that doesn't exist. It's very, yeah. uh, but it, I th- and I say that in an interesting way too. Like it's just like there's so much like it's like half documentary. There's like recreations of moments from Richard the Third. Like you know, there's Richard the Third on. It's very odd. It was clearly shot over multiple years because there's mul- many scenes where he is Carlito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's got the he's got his beard and hair. Um, but yeah, we're excited for this one. I hope uh, you know we kind of have teased this one out. Hopefully, y'all went hit eBay up and uh, and scored your own copies of these discs because these are this is out of print. Um, local stigmatic and Chinese coffee are not streaming, and there's a fourth disc actually in this box set that I would deem just as essential to the entire puzzle of this box set, which is a hour-long documentary called Babylonia where we follow Al to the actor's studio and he just um he just raps it's just he's just he's just he's just he's just talking about being an actor it's it's pretty pretty awesome like it's it's genuinely thrilling to watch him when it's over I was like I could have done another hour of him just riffing I want to be his friend that's I think that's what it came down to I want to (laughs) be friends with this weirdo you were, you were talking about how like with looking for richard like there's a lot of moments in looking for richard where he's just hanging out with like his three dudes like he's his, like, his not yeah, his drama friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like they are actors but like they're like yeah it's like philip kimbrell and like all these other guys that are like a little a little more uh less uh known than uh his entourage posse it, yeah they're his entourage but then instead of like um buying ducatis and starting sandwich shops like the television show entourage uh they just like try and figure out how to do shakespeare plays in weird settings <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah instead of having like a weird um instead of having a uh, awkward sex with a furry uh they try to you know try to place uh, shakespeare in a modern uh in a modern setting yeah can shakespeare play to the average american Oh, yeah. And when it has moved Al Pacino so much that he's willing to make a years long documentary about it. Yeah. Um, but before we dive in and we're going to dive in pretty deep on all of these items that are contained within the actor's vision. I mean, we got breaking news. Movies mm. are back. Oh, big <laughs> time. you know, the movie theaters, 
whether we are have whether some are happy about it or not are back they are open patrick you went to um you went to the movies oh yeah i went to amc burbank 18 oh and how was it i mean i like that theater by the way i don't think it's that bad of a theater at all Song. It's a good, uh, you know, everyone's always, you know, and don't get me wrong. Like, I love my arc lights. I love my Alamo draft houses. I love my, my, uh, you know, my uh, arrows, all the, all the classic theaters in LA, all the mm-hmm. indie ones, all the niche ones. Yes, I love them. But uh, sometimes uh, you just want an old fashioned AMC. Uh, and, uh, you know, popcorn was good. They gave you, they give you your butter in like a weird, uh, in a weird little cup now, like your little like fake liquid butter for your popcorn. So it kind of looks like they're just giving you like the world's like just most diseased urine, like the urine <laughs> of an ill man. And so that's, that part's not great, but like, you know, it still tastes good. Um, you know, you, you saw Cruella. Oh man. Yeah. Margot Robbie's <laughs> Margot Cruella, the, not the I, Tanya, the I, Tanya reunion. We were all <laughs> yeah. dying for. Yep. All the boys, the boys are by I, Tanya, uh, Sebastian Stan, uh, Bobby kind of all, yeah, he, maybe no. who knows. No, they're know. not Why none not? of those people were in it. It's, you know, you got Paul Walter Hauser, you got Craig yeah. Gillespie. Those are the two like Cruella, I, Tanya connections. Um, you know, and the movie was like, it's very weird. Uh, uh, spoilers. I'll just do some little spoilers. So, like, uh, barely. It's I, there's a party that kind of wishes that, um, you know, how it, the way that things are nowadays with like every movie, how it all has to be like connected to some sort of IP. There's a part of me that wishes that, like, you know, I would have loved to see just like a caper movie with like Emma Stone, Joel Fry, and uh. Paul Walter Hauser just doing crimes in like 60s London together because they're all like very fun, entertaining actors. And if you got rid of all the Cruella stuff, you could have made an interesting or a more interesting movie, I believe. Uh, the Cruella stuff is so forced and weird. They And they also like have to like, you can tell they're getting notes uh, from producers where it's like, okay, so Cruella, uh, we know she's like a dog murderer, but like, you know, we need to make her like uh, lovable somehow. So can we like make the Dalmatians like the people that kill her mother? So like she has a good reason for hating the dogs and like, and even it's, it's very weird. It's a super also like CG, like the dog, all the dogs are CGI, which is like weird and unsettling. They don't look that good. Um, You know, it's basically like the devil wears Prada meets Joker. Mm. Uh, it's like if Anne Hathaway got Jokerified by Meryl Streep, uh, which is kind of funny. Like that's kind of a good. I, I like that. I like that a little bit. And there's even like a scene in the end where like a bunch of people go to a ball like with like, with Cruella hair, and so mm. like you know it's like the Joker moment. Is there like, a uh, dance sequence? Uh, there are multiple dance sequences. Okay. A lot of dancing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's on the table. <laughs> oh, it's on the table, sir. And you bet your ass there's a little uh one, an eye patched chihuahua named uh, Patches. That guy rules. Paul Terhauser rule. He slapped in this movie. He was so I've good. heard he's really good in it. You he's, know, he's he's I've heard he's the highlight. He has like a shtick and he's so good at his sh- and he does it British. Like he I'll say this, and I say this with all the love in the world to Al Pacino. His his British accent is better than Al Pacino's. I say this with all love in the world. Paul Walter Hauser is like a he has a believable Cockney accent. He makes it work. Uh, a, he, a very specific British accent. 
very. We're going to go to the dog races. Got to go to the dogs. A dirty little whippet. Dirty little whippet. Listen, right. We are going to beat up this guy. Ooh, that's a little teaser for some local stigmatic talk in just a moment. It's like, rules. Yeah, we got to get, uh, we got to, th- you know, I was looking at Paul Walter Hauser's um, social media. Yeah. And you know, I think he'd love being on the Academy Academy. He seems like our kind of guy. He loves cool. movies. He's he loves good. wrestling. He's kind of, you know, he seems like a nice guy. Oh man, I want like uh, I would more than I'd be so happy. Yeah, does he think um, scent of a woman is overrated or properly rated? I'm curious. I, you know, I did like once like say like I, I feel like he's gettable just because I once like tweeted something nice about him and he liked the tweet. Yo, yeah. So like, well, I think. Paul? Like, I mean, you, we know you love movies. You you seem like a cool guy. We're fans. Yeah. Um, come on the show. Come on the show. Come on, man. Swap stories. Tell us about your If you your want time to come back on, if you find this is interesting, I'll let you borrow my box set that I bought off eBay. So you can Hell. check out the disc, too. Patrick's got it now. We yep. can get it to you. I'll get it to yeah. you. I'll, yeah. We'll, 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 do, we'll handle the transaction. Oh, the last thing I want to say about Cruella is that Cruella was born with black and white hair. And so if you want to see a baby with like the black and white Cruello rig, uh, this is the movie for you. And it's kind of funny. Just mm-hmm. like a baby with full on like black and white Cruella hair. Very odd. <laughs> Very weird. I think there's like six credited screenwriters on that movie. Oh, man. It's believable. It's yeah. it's it's yeah. It's like, you know, you know, if I was like 10, I'd like it, I guess. That's my review. That's <laughs> like if I was 10. Yeah, this is fun. It yeah, has like a, look it, for that on the uh, poster. Yeah, 100%. It's my new third favorite movie above uh, Amadeus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah just below for the, Ron. For those of you who are keeping track who have made uh, personal letterboxed lists of our lists. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, it's above uh, Ron. My bad. Update it to number three, Cruella <laughs> Patrick's list. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if there's a TBD function on letterboxed, but you could put TBD next to Cruella on my list just yeah just if you make sure the numbers are clear yeah um i by this by the time this episode is released Mm. i will have been back to the movies oh hell yeah but i have not as we are recording so time you know is time is all i wish it was tenet because that would make sense my entire time being all over the place thing but it's not tenet that i'm seeing i i do have a ticket to see tenet at the arrow in 70 millimeter later on in the month that i'm very excited about nice. in addition to i have a thir- ticket to see in 35 millimeter later on in the month uh strange days the Ooh. Catherine bigelow movie that we mentioned in our james cameron season that's been tough to tough to track down um so i'm excited for my first go at strange days but no i'm seeing this coming sunday at the new beverly cinema mm-hmm. once upon a time in hollywood oh, be fun. that was the last film i saw before quarantine and it'll be the first one back. And I love, I love that symmetry. I love it. It, it really, it's really exciting. Cause I was, I was there for the closing night of once upon a time in Hollywood. And it was such a great night, you know, all, and the crazy thing about that movie and at that theater is the fact that you got to see the same people in the crowd over and over again. There was like, 
almost like going to like a dead show or something like the same yeah. people wanted you know it was just and like and your, I, your cheaters bar yeah and you know we last saturday they had a uh open house at the new beverly where they opened up the um merch table and they opened up the snack bar so people can get popcorn they had no movies playing but if you could just drop in and it was just absolutely there was like 200 people there it was crazy and um but just kind of walking around the block, I saw all the people, the regulars. And it was just like, there was kind of like, even if you are kind of like nervous and everyone has right to be nervous about kind of the speed for which things are reopening and that, all that kind of stuff. I have to say even some, like, it was very heartwarming to see all these people out about and at this place that we all like really like a lot and cherish a lot so i'm i'm very very excited to be back there you know and it sounds like the safety protocols are pretty top notch that they've that they've installed there so yeah. i'm thrilled um and of course you know you know who's in once upon a time in hollywood Ooh. al pacino yeah. <laughs> so uh there well, you go paul gilfoyle paul Gil- yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that'll be, that'll be weird <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, Alpino, of course, great. plays uh, Marvin Schwaz um, and has the great scene with uh, Rick, Rick Dalton early on in the movie. Um, That's a good one. And then there was like a there was like a tweet on the old Twitter the, uh, today where they were like, uh, it was like, uh, who's like an actor or a character that was in a movie for less than 15 minutes? That's very memorable that you like. That mm-hmm. was like and I would yeah, I'd put uh, Al Pacino in uh I, you know, I, I, yeah. it is good i mean yeah. your guy um from your list i ned Beatty in network Ooh. yeah that's definitely that's the best yeah that's the best one yeah i mean like al pacino or not al pacino um alfred molina and boogie nights is really good oh yeah that's probably that's like, a, yeah i mean yeah that's a really that's a really that's, that's like a really like memorable what a, what good a, what a scene man uh i mean like all oh, the audience is the listeners are like guys you're just gonna sit here and be like oh that's good oh that's good <laughs> a movie good <laughs> oh movie good let's like what great content it is like hey that that is quite as quite a senior I, I think that that's a good that's a good call uh i hadn't really thought about it but yeah i saw that going around but um but yeah al pacino's in once upon a time in hollywood we're not covering once upon a time in hollywood actually at all Mm-mm. Um, despite the fact that I think we both agree he's great. Oh yeah, you know it's a very fun performance. It's kind of leaning into the, like, oh, we have Al Pacino. Let's let's let let's like rock and roll for this one scene. He gets yeah. to do some stuff with Leo. Uh, but we are at the um, the end of round one. Mm-hmm. In action, uh, would would I be out of line to say this was action packed? This first round. Oh, big time ups and downs, wildness. Yeah, I think um, Al's spirit <laughs> kind of got to certainly got to Patrick and I, um, yep. but I think also each of our guests, especially the further along we got, I think um, kind of Al became their spirit as well. <laughs> <Yeah. know? laughs> and boy, I mean, I had fun. I had fun with every all 16 of these movies. Yeah, they're all like entertaining. Uh, they're all definitely entertaining and in- mm-hmm. and interesting, uh, and like 
even like the movies I like the least had like stuff to offer that I like enjoy. Like, and Al Pacino's just like one of those dudes where like I could watch him like you know read grocery lists for like four hours and get something out of it. It's like you know it's like he has those Sam Paku eyes as Jen- Jenny Zagrino said. <laughs> yeah. Those oh, wild without eyes. a doubt. And oh, man. I mean, you know, I was actually noticing uh, in anticipation for next week's episode, I've already rewatched Dog Day Afternoon and The Godfather 2. And I was noticing you know, the differences in the way he holds his eyes in both those films. Very interesting. interesting. Wider eyed in Dog Day, a little bit narrower in, Dog- in Godfather. Good choices, both sides. But yeah. you know what? We're not talking about those ones today. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, I think like, I, I mean, I'd say like, you know, obviously, Heat losing yeah. was, 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 was interesting. But at the same time, I mean, these are so good. They're so much fun. And, you know, the thing about him is, is he's he really is to whatever the eye of the beholder decides is good. Mm-hmm. Like, if you like him, like, I have warmed so much to his kind of aggressive post scent of a woman style that i yes. never i didn't even know like i didn't think that it was even going to happen but i'm like i love it because he's alive it's so passionate and so weird and he never feels like he's phoning it in he, he might be making moves that he's comfortable with but there's always energy and there's always life and it's always there's always weird ch- choices you can tell he's thinking about it and that his way of thinking about things is completely and utterly unique yeah, especially like after watching Babylonia, like yeah, you you one hundred percent get this idea that like oh, this is a guy who's like truly cares cares about the craft of you know filmmaking and acting specifically, and uh, he's someone who like really commits uh, in ways that I think like a lot of other actors probably don't like he truly cares about acting as an art form and it's uh i don't know like it and it makes me even like respect phil like like i think i'm gonna like send of a woman a lot more this next viewing i have a feeling me too me too i, I, I don't doubt it and i'm you know, a big son of a woman head but it does make me think of like even like with something as silly as our as like our improv yeah stuff like it does make you want to like like when I watched Babylonia and watched his performances, I was like, oh, I want to like do stuff. I want to like feel what he's talking about. I want to like get in the mix. Like he's in the mix with all of these, like whether these huge movies or these weird ones we're going to talk about today. It's just, I like how present he is and how in it he is. And, and you're right. Like, I think, um, you know, some of his contemporaries, like, you know, Robert De Niro seems to have gotten very involved in like politics and real estate yeah. and stuff <laughs> like that. And Meryl Streep seems like a perfectly balanced, content family person. Um, yeah. Al seems to just like acting. Mm-hmm. And I get that this was filmed, this Babylonia was filmed in like probably 05 mm-hmm. or something like that. And who knows what's changed in his life in the last 16 years. He's gotten older. But I don't like the cool thing about it, it doesn't seem to, he doesn't seem stripped. He doesn't seem jaded. He seems like just as excited about the possibilities of the unknown that he finds as an actor and kind of like gave him his life. If you've read his, any of his biography, 
I mean, he, you know, came from a poor neighborhood in New York. Uh, he didn't really know what to do with himself and he discovered acting and it kind of led him to freedom. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's beautiful, frankly. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. Well, and it's also like, uh, like it's so interesting that the works we're looking at today, like why he's connected to a lot of the things that we're going to be discussing, you know, particularly the one thing I'm thinking of in uh, particular is uh, Harry Levine and Chinese coffee, like the character he portrays in Chinese coffee. He talks about how like, like his, he, uh, the character that he plays is a character that like needs to write or he has to live in a specific way. And you have like this, um, you get this sense that Al Pacino maybe is someone who like, views life like that like in terms of like i need to act like acting is something i need to do maybe like he has a bit of that energy uh, I think so i i mean i think that if he wasn't a movie star he'd still be acting somewhere yeah. in the universe right now mm-hmm. like he wouldn't be rich and famous but he would he'd be acting oh 100 percent. yeah he'd be like a he had the fucking actor's studio or he'd be mm-hmm. like an off off broadway so, I mean, you know, it was, it was strange, like, thinking about him and watching these. Um, I actually looked up classes at the Lee Strasberg Institute here in Los Angeles. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's how inspired I was by, like, digging in on him. I'm like, is there, like, like a... Because I was like, I don't want to do, like, some level of, like, thing where you have to audition for and you have to be there for two years. But I was like, is there, like, a four-week, like, survey course on yeah. like method acting and like feeling that out like i don't know i just was like man this guy really found something neat here and i i don't know i was very um i found it very inspiring i it doesn't things like that don't usually i mean i'm old enough that it's hard to uh yeah hard to get to that place where you're like oh that sounds so cool i want to give that a go but it like yeah i was very just inspired by what he found as an actor and you know and what he continues to find i mean i think um i mean i th- i know he's older but i i mean if anything this is proven to me it's like <laughs> i want him to live forever yeah i want him to be my friend <laughs> and if he can't be my friend i want him to be in good movies <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah i want him to get more sweet cameos and great films yeah uh, was, like there, um, roles. was there um any movie uh, out of the group that kind of surprised you? I know that a lot of these were new to you, like really like knocked your socks off that. Um... Oh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, like uh, I think like I was surprised in general by the the quality, like just in general of all the films, like uh, there were like, you know, with the exception of maybe cruising, it's like a pretty, like every film was pretty strong and like, uh entertaining i don't know like it was like there was never like a film watch even like set of a woman like which is like a movie that like i think i initially hated but like the more i watched it i enjoyed it like none of them ever felt really like a bore and al pacino never felt like superfluous in any of these films um uh you know uh, I think it was surprising, like, how much, like, yeah, like, Heat lived up to the hype, The Insider lived up to the, like, Scarface lived up to the hype, like, a lot of these movies. I, also, I was expecting Carlito's Way to not be that good, and it was really good. Yeah. I was impressed by how good Carlito's Way was. I was like, oh, I thought this movie would be not good, and it was great. I'm bummed because, like, I, my brother has continued to wave the flag 
since we recorded that episode for Carlito's <laughs> way. And I'm just like, I'm so sad. Carlito is out of Carlito and Laline and Dave uh, and uh, Gail. Are Gail. All, are, are all got sh- I got shit in my diaper, man. <laughs> the diaper's up. I've been saying that to our baby. Like, I'm gonna be honest. You. <laughs> he got diapers. Oh no, is your baby have a wire? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Uh, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like you know, the newest one to me was um, the newest ones were um, any given Sunday and Devil's Advocate. They're both wild movies i really like yeah obviously i really liked um any given sunday just mm. immediately and the further we've gotten away from it i admire the madness of devil's advocate i have to say yeah like, i mean it, it it does it's a movie that leaves a mark <laughs> like you know it's like everyone every time we've mentioned it to everyone on the show they're like oh i remember that's such detail that movie <laughs> it's, it's a I, weird it's, movie <laughs> It really is, and it's, it's um. But I, I just there's something like about like his stuff because he walks such a fine line, especially the later he got in his career of being a ham, maybe not being like technically quote unquote like real lived in grounded performances. Mm-hmm. But it gives this movie such like this like unpredictable edge to them that makes them infinitely watchable. Like it's that that's I think that's what makes him so special. Yeah, it's like it's so funny. As I get older, it does feel like uh, stuff I'm gonna like remember more are less like I feel like conventional performances and conventional narratives are gonna as I get older hold less and less sway. And like bolder choices and weirder decisions are gonna hold more and more like that's gonna like rise in stock. And I feel like Al Pacino is gonna be one of those actors that only rises in stock as I like, you know, go older, yeah, get older, watch more things, you know, consume more content because like uh uh he's truly a one of a kind actor mm-hmm. and he does weird shit that no other person would think of doing. And, yeah, for a megastar, he is absolutely bizarre. He might be the weirdest like a level i'm trying to think you know you know there's probably an argument for warren Beatty, uh but i don't know if he's as weird as al though i don't know i mean i i think you gotta turn to like and these guys are have fallen much further like al's consistently been in good movies comparatively but like almost like cage or um travolta or something like that who those guys do weird they obviously cage does oh yeah pretty takes pretty wild swings he's a genius he's brilliant oh i love cage yeah yeah well here's the thing though is i think that like as much as i love cage and love travolta uh they did i feel like to a certain degree lose a bit of that prestige and pristine like you know like i think al pacino like even though he's had his fair share of clunkers, like, you know, 88 minutes, like, God bless him, wasn't like, you know, I wish that movie was like five minutes long. But, uh, uh, you know, he really has maintained, like, uh, I don't know, like, he's never been like a VOD guy. He's never done, gotten that down that hole yet. He hasn't done a lot. And I think the other thing, too, is he hasn't, like, slept walked. As far as I could tell. Yeah. I mean, oh, like... it's, that's the thing. It's like he's never like in. It's funny because he did say stuff about like, you know, I've done jobs for like the money or like, but he, I think he like doesn't like doing that type of shit. 
and he's very like because I remember like in one of the I can't remember if it was for Chinese coffee or Babylonia but he was talking about how like you know uh he hates like performing like eight times a week or whatever like for a oh, stage yeah. performance because he was the like madness yeah. of like and this is only something an actor would know because I thought it was insane this idea of like no eight is too many yes seven is the right number it's like, what's the difference man that's like, the, you're still gonna lose your voice after seven that's but, like you're at seven i mean i trust him he's done far four more plays than i have yeah so. but but he also but i think yeah he does have like this thing where like he wants to like he'll do crazy shit and he'll put his all into it but he wants to also like i think he only wants to put out like truly quality stuff and even when he's not, like, in the best content, he will, like... That's why he'll have, like, fucking moments like Dunkachino, like, where, like, even in Jack and Jill, he's not phoning it in. Like, which is, like, the movie of all movies you should phone it in for. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's the entire idea of being in one of those Sandler movies of a certain kind, is that you get to go on vacation with Sandler and yeah. just hang out. Like, yeah, what's that movie? That's like, yeah, that movie's a classic Adam Sandler's family gets to go on a cruise film. Like, that's yeah. like a... That less of what, I mean, like, you know, Sandler, he's he's very transparent about it. He's not some guy who's like, oh, I found art in the Ridiculous Six. It's like, I like having money for yeah. my wife and my kids and my family who I love dearly. And I like employing my friends and going on vacation with them and being paid handsomely. Yeah, I mean, that's that the American dream. That's like, <laughs> no. I mean, that's like how like 99% of art is made nowadays anyways, like, which is fine. Like, you know, it's like, fuck, they're making like a new Rugrats on fucking but the thing about it is, Sandler is at least open. Yeah. Like, he's not like going after like, but, 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 but we're cinema too. It's like, he doesn't care. Oh, no, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't like uh, he never cries when he gets bad reviews and he never it's not like uh, God, I was just uh, I watched recently um, the uh, I don't even know why I did this to myself. It's a horrible film, but I rewatched the, the 1998 Godzilla like the Roland <laughs> Emmerich. Such a bad movie. I would, But I was just like, you know, there's stuff I like about it. I don't know. Roland Emmerich is an odd interesting uh idiosyncratic director that sometimes yeah. i appreciate sometimes i'm like what are you doing but uh one thing that really stood out in that movie is i forgot that uh he made the mayor of new york in that movie mayor ebert oh, and the whole movie was hit. like you know mayor ebert and, is obviously a fool and like yeah, the terrible biggest... idiot bureaucrat who yeah. does not know he's got godzilla <laughs> on his hands <laughs> just a total ding dong in this film yeah. uh and it was like come on roland like oh, chill the fuck out like you're the one with like a 200 million dollar movie yeah, yeah. yeah. chill the fuck out brother and so, I, and so I, yeah exactly so it's I re- classic rich person bullshit you have everything yeah. so the one thing you can't have you whine your ass off about it's just uh oh man and you know what man like if someone doesn't like stargate like you're gonna be fine like never man like a lot of people liked stargate maybe yeah. Uber didn't like stargate but a lot of people like stargate yeah it's you're good yeah dude your movies are stupid but they're in a fun way so yeah i like i was watching it like you won like <laughs> like I, that's like the goal i paid money for it uh but uh you know like that's something I like about Adam Sandler is there's never been, to my knowledge, you know, maybe, or like, okay, so my favorite story about this is like, uh, you know, you know, Michael Crichton, right? The author. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So like, uh, and I used to love all his, I read all his books as a kid. Giant man, climate change denier. 
Oh, big time state of fear. I read that in college and in, in eighth grade. I remember reading that in eighth grade and like, you know, because I was a dumb fucking eighth grader. I was like, oh, this is like a person I think is really smart. Maybe climate change isn't. And then like I went to like my science teacher and he was like, bud, <laughs> let's have a talk. And he was able to kind of like break down every place Michael Crichton was like wrong. Uh, shout out to Mr. Sloan. What a great guy. Saved me from going down a weird path of climate uh, denial. Stamps.com hero of the week. Mr. Sloan. Mr. Hero Sloan. Of the eighth grade <laughs> physics teacher. What a good man. Uh, but, uh, oh my God. But so Michael Crichton, um, he, uh, there was someone who wrote a bad review of, I, I think it was either State of Fear or Prey. Prey I like. Prey's a fun. It's stupid, but I like it. Uh, machines. But uh, someone wrote a bad review of one of his like later books. And so he wrote that character. He gave the name of a baby rapist in his next book that journalist that like it was like he he raped babies because his dick was so small like that's literally like what it was like it was like because he had a micro penis that's the only thing and it was like dog michael Crichton, you went to like fucking harvard man you're by all accounts a very technically a very smart guy you made er like you're you've won what you, you bullshit it's man so stupid i just found that so it's just so <sighs> so fucking i mean honestly i would probably laugh if i read like it's like because like i definitely would have won as the journalist if i got like michael it, Crichton. so <laughs> i mean so. i i i do think like the whole world of like i i do think that critics can be incredibly self-important moral scolds themselves oh 100 Um, in in a lot of cases and i just don't i think it's like to me like you you have to like michael Crichton has a green light or had a green light to do whatever he wanted more than few people to truly do whatever he wanted in the world of culture and art yeah so why get bogged down in that man like like get it do what you feel like doing if you like it i remember like so i the first filmmaker i ever met was darren aronofsky the first one i ever met i met really i met him freshman year of college he came to the university of washington to show requiem for a dream oh that's and um you know i asked him like do you have any advice for uh like a new young filmmaker and he just simply said he's like you know just do what you dig and if you like it and your friends and family like it, then you're in good shape. And I, I always thought that that's like probably the best way of thinking about it. It's like, if you like it and your friends and family like it, nobody's really offended, like in a really like painful way. I think you could offend people and be provocative, but if, if you're just, you know, then do what you think, man, live with it. And especially if you get the chance to do it, it's a privilege. So yeah. enjoy it, you know, like, I see. Yeah, I just see it. It's like it's really hard to do any of this stuff. And once you're the, once you're in the mix, to like, jeez, <laughs> so stupid. Like on the flip side of that, like a brilliant thing is like a movie like Night of the Creeps, where every side character, their last name is like 
Cronenberg, Carpenter, Craven, and like all like the Hooper, like all the horror movie directors of the time period. Like that's fun. That's, <laughs> you know? that's cool. Yeah. That's like that's hilarious. And like there's like you know, and there's ways of being like tongue in cheek about critics, uh, probably that are like. But even in a movie like even in a movie like Birdman, the gal who's the critic in that is clearly somebody who like rubbed Alejandro Gonzalez in a retu the wrong way. Yeah. At one point. You know? I mean, like the only movie that does that well, maybe, is like I feel like Adaptation did a pretty solid job. Well, because the only person that Charlie Kaufman could loathe more than critics is himself yeah so he balances out <laughs> exactly like by like uh <laughs> by having some of that hate on himself it kind of uh weakens the blow towards yeah know, the brain. I, I guess i guess if you're putting yourself out there and i mean you know this is might be a nice way i would nice way to seg into um these movies because it's like these are real like I can see kind of why he's some semi embarrassed by these because when you're really putting yourself out there, when you're really being vulnerable in public, which is very difficult to do. Oh, um, yeah, big time. I would imagine any level of attack, even if it isn't like all that personal of an attack, can hit you pretty hard. And I have a feeling like something like Local Stigmatic, he enjoyed the process of it but then the second that he had to think about like showing this performance to like critics who are going to judge him yeah he probably got a little nervous i would guess i would be <laughs> yeah it's like very it's you know it's a super uh you know i have a feeling that it was a hundred percent of al pacino's um comfort zone uh and it's you know it is tough putting yourself out there because it's like it's a bummer when you put yourself out there and you're so like raw and uh people just shit on you <laughs> like yeah. and, I, and i've been because i've done imp- you know i'm a fucking improviser so I've, I've definitely done some like really weird improv stuff that has like uh only uh the only response is like bemused eyebrow raising <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know i'll do something ridiculous and then it's like uh me really putting myself out there or like, you know, I've, yeah, I've done all sorts of like stage performances and, you know, most of the time it's been fine. I'm very lucky in that regard, but you know, sometimes it's, you know, and it hurts. It stings when you don't think you're good uh, or you don't think people are going to like uh, something that comes from your heart. Something that interesting that came up in the, um, the, the uh, Babylon doc was, uh, you know, the importance of the actor studio in the sense is it gave people like this opportunity. He's talking about like Vanessa Redgrave. I love watching Vanessa Redgrave, like almost fail or like get nervous or stutter. But then you realize like, you know, uh, what was, what Al Pacino uh, appreciates about the actor studio is that it gave him like this, like room to experiment and to Mm -hmm. like uh, try things and to take bold risks. I I heard, um, uh, podcast favorite uh, Aaron Sorkin uh, talk about um, he was talking about uh, he has this very similar envy that I do of um, people who got a chance to go to the truly like elite of elite schools right because uh, he you know I mean he went to Syracuse which is a good school I went to University of Washington which is a good school 
but there is this kind of um i don't know what it is it's a weird like the ivy leagues like ask 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 my therapist about it (laughs) Um, but this idea of like you know he was like what you know go to nyu film or you go to um juilliard or one of these places and what is the difference he he says he asks that to everyone he meets who went to these like what do you think takes these places up and above and beyond and what it is is that they are places that give you the chance to fail and to take big swings in a comfortable place and you know allows you to kind of find yourself in a way because if you do that in like you know we're patrick and i are living here in los angeles if we were to write like um a really good script and present it mm-hmm. but it just didn't work out to some people yeah it's going to be like it that you get one chance to make a first impression as they say and that is a very scary thing and to be like 20 years old at like the actor's studio mm-hmm. show some talent enough to get in but then like just be doing stuff on a week week by week day by day basis where you can like i mean this is where al pacino found what he does and the courage to like do she's got a great ass yeah we wouldn't have gotten that without the actor's studio we owe it so much you know and I, i i was talking with a friend the other day actually about it and this idea of like kind of like why aren't um you know there's a lot of good young actors out there but where is kind of the like kind of wild card even and when they try and do wild stuff it feels a little forced and it's because you know our thesis there was that it's because they were all child actors and didn't go to a place like the actor's studio and interestingly enough you know the people who did go to like juilliard are people like oscar isaac and adam driver who seem to be the ones who do or who are able to get to that next level with yeah. a little more ease and you know guys like pacino and de niro didn't really even break in hollywood or in movies until they're like late 20s early 30s yeah they had like these reps in this time and it's like this like real incubation period that i think is what makes them so fucking good it's like robert duvall shows up he's old gene hackman shows up he's old but guess what they're great like right off the bat their first appearance in anything yeah they're already cooked yeah you know there's no like level of like like even like i god bless i love like brad pitt but if you watch some of his like early 90s movies he's pretty green and he's like feeling it out you're feeling him watching like the growing pains of his work it's like screen. yeah you can see that with like um like lakeith stanfield a little bit sometimes where like he's like a, probably one of my favorite actors right now i think he's great too he's like yeah he's interesting in everything he does but then like you'll also see like moments where it's like oh yeah he's a little like he's trying a little bit here in a way or like you know he's that, that's definitely like him like taking a swing and maybe not like uh hitting it but it's still like yeah he's still trying to find himself a little bit yeah and i i mean i'm sure there's way different pressures because like if you're hot young actor these days you can't like yeah do off broadway for 10 years it's just like the financial i mean financially was hard in the 60s let alone financially being hard in the 2020s you know 
we were and we were talking about this too how like like uh like you know don and i were talking about like uh auteurs and stuff like i sent him like this uh, tweet about uh I think there was like someone online, I'm not going to say who, and their opinion's totally valid, but uh, it was about like, you know, there's like someone who just didn't like any of the new young auteurs out. And, um, you know, and I think we both disagree with that. There's people that like, that would be considered like the new auteurs nowadays that we both like. But I think the thing that uh, Don and I, and I may be putting words words in Don's mouth, Don, you can 100% correct me, but I think like one thing... uh, You are... No, I'm just sure. But, uh, but, uh, but like, you know, we were talking about how just like everything is like so fucking commodified and like branded and even like, you know, even directors have to become brands and actors have to become brands. And like, like, if you look at some of these, the younger guys and gals who are in the, um, like the Marvel movies. Yeah. Like, like, uh, Chris, the Chris Hemsworth's Chris Evans. Yeah. Even, even like she's, she's been around a while, done a lot, but like Scarlett Johansson or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not this like realm of like, I want to know what they, like, I think you've probably seen it with Scarlett Johansson, but with like Hemsworth and Evans, I want to see what they, what they, what they're capable of. Yeah. I want to see them get pushed a little bit. Like, they're charming, they're handsome, they're funny funny ish you know they're not comedians don't get me wrong but they're yeah, they have their enough and, and i want to see what they can do there, a lot more there are all these like yeah there are all these like hot australian guys that have been taking like the big meat cake rolls as of late like there's like a squad of them it's like the hemsworth brothers jai courtney joel edgerton i think is like the most interesting of all of them because he's actually been able to do some stuff he's outside directed of his, some too yeah. yeah and like uh uh and they must have like, like they must have like a spark of something, or else casting directors like I, it can't just be like you know. I mean, maybe it is just looks. I don't know, but like, I, especially with Chris is talented. I've seen him in stuff where I'm like, he's well, I'm, good. I, I'm a I, I'm a Hemsworth fan, as everyone knows. I love Black Hat, the Michael Mann movie. That movie um, shouldn't I, work. Like that's crazy. He's like a, a hacker, weird, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's hilarious. It's I mean it, it doesn't. It might not work for all I know, but <laughs> but I like it. But I I I like it, and I liked him in um, Ron Howard's the race car movie Rush. Oh, he was very good in that. Yeah. But I, I, I just, but you know, there should be like thirty movies like Rush that come out every year. Yeah, is that like I mean we we talk about like the Ford versus Ferrari as being like the relic, the last of its kind. But it's you know, you want like kind of like to see what they're capable of and like you know, like let's see um Chris Evans in like a sea of love kind of like erotic thriller. Oh, where, he's man. Like, where he's a cop on the edge or something like that. You know, like where is the where are those? That's what we want to see. That's where and that's where like Pacino. You look at that first decade of his career, it was just interesting after interesting after interesting after interesting part. He didn't have to go do, like, every time, like, I remember, like, Florence Pugh going in, and she's in the new um, Black, Black Widow, Widow. Yeah, yeah. film. And I was, like, obviously, everybody, like, you know, that year when she was in Midsommar and uh, Little Women, Oh, and she's in this wonderful movie, Fighting with My Family, where she plays a professional wrestler. Uh, but like, who is this? She's so interesting. 
And then you see she gets in the Marvel and it's like, okay, she's going to be in 10 of those. And that's I mean, like how you work now. And it's just, it's uh, like, what a bummer because we want like, you want to see like her in like Ari Aster's next movie, the Safdie's next movie. Um, I, I, you got a Gerwig again, you know, just down the line. You can say the same damn thing about David Herber. Who mm-hmm. like kind of like came out of nowhere. He got that part in Stranger Things, and it catapulted him. Like, and he's like an actor who like and he got his big break when he was forty. You've seen oh, him yeah. a lot in things. Like he was even in Bond movies. Yeah, well, he reminds me of like he's kind of like Mahershala Ali to me mm-hmm. in the sense that like they're both like actors that have been in stuff forever, and they had always been on like the periphery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was only once, like you know, David got Stranger Things and Mahershala got his Oscar nom for Moonlight. Then they like the world's open for them. And, and you uh, go back and you're like, oh, they were good and all this other stuff. I mean, Mahershala, oh, yeah. Yeah, I first saw him in um, first time I saw him was Benjamin Button, and he was very memorable. Oh, I'll tell you what, that. he was good. And uh, God, did you ever watch the 4400 on USA? No, I never saw. Oh that one. man, it's a good, it's a weird. Ah, man, I watched it when I was a kid. It's a good, like, uh, weird sci-fi series, but he had, like, a bit part in that, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a lot of fun. That's, like, a, uh, that's like a deep cut. I forgot about the 4400. Uh, that's, like, look that up if you're if you're bored. I'm going to watch that tonight, I did probably. see. I did see, <laughs> speaking of a conspiracy theory tweet, though, somebody put, I've, I, I, I'm sorry, if I'm not attributing whoever put this up, I don't remember, but this idea that they're like, do you think that Marvel makes all their male stars yeah. roided out so they, so they, so no one else will employ them? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh also, I think that was a Christina Tucker, shout out, she's uh, great, that'd yeah. be a good guest for a show, but uh, oh man. Yeah, it was a good one, and I was like, oh, was, <laughs> I was like, I saw that, and I was like, maybe, honestly, like, it's hard, it's really hard to believe Kumail Nanjiani is like uh you know a normal office worker when he looks like uh you know like uh batista or like yeah, yeah, or well, yeah i mean that latest picture of kumail he's no longer lean he's like he's oh. he's freaking massive he's <laughs> like yeah he could kill me it's like arnold schwarzenegger uh but like here, here's the thing too uh chris if you're chris hemsworth if you're listening and you're worried if, if fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger could play a fucking mattress salesman in Jingle All the Way, you can play whatever the fuck you want, buddy. Yeah. Like, don't but, let a. But I mean, I, you know, but you think about it, it's like, where's the guy who's going to play like Sonny in Dog Day Afternoon? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, because, but none of these guys can play losers. And Al, as we've like, he's so fucking good at it. Like, yeah. You know? Maybe like uh, it's like maybe I want to say Andrew Garfield, but he's so clean cut. That's his yeah, problem. He's, he's just he's, he's just a, he's a hair too fancy. But this is this goes back to our boy uh, Paul Walter Hauser. Why we like him so much Ooh. is that he's like one of the few. It's like people. Richard Jewell is one of the great. Like that is a sunny part. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh man, I want like uh, I'm gonna just write the perfect script. He's gonna be my muse. Yeah. I want to write the perfect... Come on the show, dude. I know, you, the show. I know you want to talk about weird, obscure Al Pacino movies with us. Hang out with us. But I, it, it's, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> like, you know, we got in this show. It's like, we're all, we're obviously fans of movies, fans of actors, fans of the entire process. But I think like Meryl Streep kind of like opened it up. And then Pacino season is like kicked down the dam of my interest and kind of like in performance really like and really like i know we talk about being scientists and all that kind of thing but it's like it's impossible but you kind of like what you like 
mm-hmm. the same time it's very and it's how exciting it is to see somebody like Pacino's career and kind of how he really has like been so indelible and kind of like the power he has like when you when we watch him like and patrick and i's text messages like he's, he's like joyful like he rocks he yeah. rules like all the time <laughs> this man is very good i love him so much <laughs> i wish he was my uncle yeah and i went on boxing with you, you know, yeah. or, or jackass um <laughs> but yeah it's 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 just like yeah the appreciation is just like the appreciation and kind of the magic trick of it and kind of the desire to see good acting or at least like bold acting mm-hmm. you know I, I was impressed with um you know we we i think we've brought it up before we brought up in the kyle clark episode uh the soderbergh's movie logan lucky and daniel craig's bizarre southern accent and moves that he's making in that yeah. might not work for everybody but i'm pro because it's cra- it's wild Oh, I love it. Just do it, man. Like it's and but again, like I think the British are a little more trained. Yeah. And they feel like they can do it. So if you look at somebody like Daniel Gray, you look at somebody like Michael Fassbender or Tom Hardy or some of them who have emerged in the recent years. They're so interesting because they're strange. They're which makes them real, I guess. Like strange decisions feel more real to me than like the absolute cleanliness of, all right, we can fly now. Yeah. I think we could fly now. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. There is like a cookie cutterness to modern popular mainstream uh, cinema, like a, uh, uh, like a, uh, there's like a lacquer that dulls uh, all unique thought, uh, you know, it's just like this idea of like, you know, I think we we start, we brought up the word curio on cruising, yeah, last week, and it'll continue this week. But this idea of something messy mm-hmm. being far more interesting, and I think you were even saying it far more memorable and lasting with you than something really clean and just properly done. Mm-hmm. And the '70s movies, I think, really hit those notes of like. They are messy. They are strange. They do make oddball choice. Like, I mean, Scarecrow is an odd movie. Oh, yeah. But there are moments in Scarecrow that are, like, truly unforgettable. Oh, harrowing. But, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah, and I would love to see more, like, more, just more idiosyncrasy, more bold moves, more, like, and I think audiences, too, are okay with it. Yeah. In, in some, but, I mean, maybe it's because TV is so clean. And everybody just watches TV shows now because TV is even worse than movies when it comes to not allowing for um, anything strange or kind of misshapen to uh, sneak through. Man, and it's like, I'll be, oh God, like I've been thinking about like, I feel like TV lately has rehashed a lot of the same because like, you know, you have stuff like the Disney Plus stuff where they're just doing all the Marvel, Star Wars, you know, they're just repackaging that stuff in in miniseries form. And then, like, I feel like a lot of the same stories are, be it, like, a showbiz story. I feel like showbiz stuff I cannot do anymore. Like, I tried watching Hacks, and I love a lot of the people in Hacks. Like, Meg Stalter, so funny in Hacks. She's great. But, like, just, like, 
I can no longer do like a television show about like uh, a, a stand-up in any sense or shape. Like that, like that's like dead to me. Like you know, the Breaking Bad style show is kind of like I'm almost kind of done with that sort of like uh, that sort of mainstream. Uh, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Like that, like you know, that genre. Like the, uh, good, you know, good go bad, like crime. Yeah, good go good, bad. Kinda. Yeah, good bad goes. Do- anti-hero kind of thing yeah good dad goes bad yeah there we go uh yeah. but yeah, uh, it's it's very interesting like kind of this like i don't know if maybe we're going through the same level of a rebellion but it's like you know we watched um poltergeist part three ooh. last night and you know spoiler alert you've probably already heard it it's going to be appearing on jen's podcast <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um it's not it's it's a mess it's a messy strange movie mm-hmm. i had a fucking blast watching it because it was like whoa i can't like they're taking they're making these weird choices all the effects are like crazy and they're handmade i don't know how they did these mirror effects and tom scarrett nancy allen laura flynn boyle like they're fine yeah oh man it's like it's so funny it is like this thing where like i'm at a point now where i like like part of like watching, even though Godzilla, like the '98 Godzilla, was a mess, the fact that it's like from the '90s and that like the '90s had its own specific uh, quirks and eccentricities, and the fact that the cast is also like bizarre in that film, like you have like Mar- Matthew Broderick in the leading role in an action movie, you have Jean Reno for some reason, <laughs> you know, you have was like the huge Jean Reno was like, I think he was legally obligated for 1995 to 2000 for him to be the fourth lead in every adult yeah, action I, movie. It I was mean, like, like the, the Leon laws. I forgot that Clinton yeah, passed that. Yeah, that was, a lead, was uh, passed in the Clinton administration. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like the one thing that uh, both Newt and uh, Clinton well, were able to agree I, I, on. I was going to try to do a Bill Clinton impression that he watched The Professional, and I was like, oh, it could get gross. Cause oh, girl, yeah, no. Oh, <laughs> That's not know. a movie I want to do with Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary, I just, I just watched a wonderful movie. <laughs> It's French, but it's not really at the same time. <laughs> this Luke Besson guy seems like someone I could get along with. He's a talented filmmaker. <laughs> I wonder what his take on Joan of Arc is like. Uh, he's probably going to make some uh, pretty weird movies as things go on. <laughs> I have this idea for the perfect Chris Tucker role. <laughs> never believe it and someday chris tucker and i will be flying on jeffrey Epstein's <laughs> that's where he they gave the idea for the pitbull <laughs> you gotta tell your friend luke i got this great idea it's called <laughs> the fifth element it's weird man <laughs> originally the fifth element was poontang oh jeez horrible, uh, horrible man <laughs> but oh uh, you know we're we're deep in it we've not talked about oh jesus yeah it's we awesome. haven't even it's it's fine this is, this is a hang this is a hangout episode of there we're chilling but you know we're like it, i think it's you know i think this actually invites kind of these conversations because i think these are kind of the conversations that al pacino has with his shakespeare friends of yeah. these kind of like deep like oh they just aren't trained they gotta get more training with these <laughs> marvel boys yeah we need to give them some vests, some fun, whimsical <laughs> yeah. vests. Well, <laughs> the fact that all of Al Pacino's friends, and then 
in a much darker vein, Kevin Spacey, dressed oh. like Al Pacino. Oh God, yeah, that is like uh, that is sinister. Some, like, it's yeah. genuinely sinister and chilling. Yeah, <laughs> that is like uh, that is like uh, like uh, when Dora. Yeah, when the, the 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 lesser serial killer meets the person he wants. Uh, to it him. almost reminds me of um, the end of Seven. I want to be you, so I guess my sin is envy. Oh, <laughs> like, God. oh God. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Now I can never watch that movie ever again. He, yeah, he adds another level to he how just, scary that character is. He just proved that, that ending is operatic, man. Uh, I don't know if we can do Yeah, we can't do a Brad Pitt bracket anymore. I watched, I watched, I watched Seven earlier this year. And it played like gangbusters for me. I thought it was great. Oh, I bet. Um, I bet. Uh, you so know. we're talking about three movies here and a... Um, one-off documentary that could be on youtube for all i know um so the story is all three of these movies al pacino either directed or kind of shadow directed um they're all based on plays they're based on plays that al is very clearly passionate about they're all made between the interesting thing about local stigmatic is that so basically it was produced and filmed and edited at some point in the late 1980s it was shown at the Museum of Modern Art in New York in March of 1990, but was never released theatrically. And then it showed up on DVD in uh, June of 2007. It's also 56 minutes long. It is not currently streaming. There are clips on YouTube that my brother, past guest Andrew Saunderson, likes to send me <laughs> via text often. So Local Stigmatic is based on a play by a guy named uh, Heathcote, Heathcote Williams, a British playwright uh, about two um, degenerate gamblers who are um, both British. So, yes, Al Pacino is doing a heavy Cockney accent in this movie, and that probably is the... is maybe the drawing point for a lot of people to enter the thing. And on the special features on the DVD, he admits that um, he's very aware that it was going to be kind of a big leap for viewers and for Al Pacino heads to get around him doing this accent. But what I like about it, he's very committed and he's very, um, he doesn't drop it. No. All that, he's very, he's got it down. And so this was a play that, um, it was another one he kind of did on stage. He developed, he, he just became passionate about one of the film and um, what he got out of it. It's a very, it's starts off one way where you think it's kind of this kitchen sink um, Mike Lee style yeah. story. Slice of life. It's about, you know, just two kind of losers, mm-hmm. but then um, it slowly and in its 56 minutes really does this actually quite well reveals a very sinister dark side that these two guys are very bad men and it all leads up to this like pretty heinous random crime that they commit and it's just it, i thought it was very um again i mean, i would love to see it i would have loved to see it in like the 70s or 80s on stage when they did it mm-hmm. but this is i think it's cool i think it's very interesting I think it's yeah. I think it's interesting. Uh, definitely put on uh, uh, subtitles for this one because sometimes yeah, uh, yeah. Paul Gilfoyle and uh, 
and uh, Al can be a little uh, incomprehensible. Uh, but um, I think it's like a fun exercise. It's very weird. Like I was looking at Wikipedia and apparently, you know, unless uh, some goof put this in as a lark on the Wikipedia page, uh, apparently the only time it was, uh, you know, shown, like it was never released theatrically. It was only shown at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. Yeah. Uh, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and part of it's like it's 56 minutes. It's but, like but it yeah. does feel like it's like this combined like it, this is like a very personal art project rather than ever any attempt at being yeah. like a commercial film. Oh, 100 percent. That's like see, that's like the thing that fascinates me the most, I would say, is it's like um, this one, especially even more so than the other projects, truly does feel like like you're getting like a um, kind of reminds me of uh there is be weird but there was this um article released a while back i think it was written by like darius uh miles i want to say like the basketball player uh he was and he was like the basketball player that was in the perfect score oh. but he was like talking about uh he was talking about his like recalling his like experiences he's just like, a little memoir about his life in the nba and stuff like that but he talked about this time he went to shaquille o'neal's house and shaquille o'neal was watching a movie and the movie was like super like it was polished and it looked like a real movie to a certain extent like no it wasn't like you know it looked like a like a canon film or something and it was like someone fighting ninjas and he realized pretty quickly oh shit that's shaquille o'neal fighting ninjas in the movie and apparently he had like made he'd gotten like professional stunt doubles to have make like a uh, like a whole movie of him like fighting like bad guys and stuff like living out like an, an action fantasy and like uh i would say that this is like like the platonic ideal of that where like, it's like the platonic ideal of like a, uh, cause this is kind of, I feel like this is like a lark almost not like a lark in the sense of like, uh, yeah, it's not like light, but it's like, this is something that Al Pacino wanted to do only for himself. I think this is like clearly an example of something that he wanted to make. It's like a personal project that he, uh, you know, like just it's just it's just something that uh is only for almost only for him weirdly enough which... and i think that's probably why it was um i wouldn't say suppressed mm. but not limited in yeah. its um in its availability to this day um one thing i was thinking about though with all three of these movies there is a level of um kind of men who feel like either in the characters in the case of Richard, who feel like white men who feel thwarted by society and are full of rage yeah. to the point of being violent. Joker. In a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah jokers. I, you know, in almost all of these, and they feel like they are like, you know, Al's playing in all of them, whether it's Graham or Richard or um David. Was David in um coffee? Harry, um, Harry, yeah, Harry, um, guys who feel like they're smarter mm -hmm. and they deserve better right. from society, but society has decided that they are not worthy and it has made them in varying stages, like kind of like violent conniving or in the case of Chinese coffee, when we get there, he is, he, he does find some peace. Mm hmm in it by the end that this cycle of this guy but it, these are you know and i think this kind of goes into al's characters who 
the 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 kind of like gamut of masculinity that is under that is being questioned and being put under a microscope in all of his films mm-hmm. and kind of the role of you know what is is a man provide you know whether he's trying to be a provider is in dog day or the godfather even or scarface trying to live up to a dream or right. carly you know just down the line like all of these guys are trying to like prove something that and barely holding it together because they're so um driven and they're so hard-headed and they're so stubborn about it all and like the only time like you know he softens of course is lieutenant colonel frank slade and he wins the academy award (laughs) yeah but you know that yeah it's funny though because you know that like that character had they made like a prequel movie or like that would have been like all the other like the you know the movie where we find out where we see Frank Slade blind himself. That character is almost like a uh, a weird uh, <laughs> response to like all his past performances. Like this is yeah. this is like post. This is what happens after Scarface and after uh, Godfather and you know. But it's, yeah, it, it just seems like the thing because I think it might be coming back to his method style where he's self-examining. Mm-hmm. and kind of getting to this point too where we talked about like he lives for acting yeah probably to the detriment of um romantic relationships mm-hmm. you know i i don't know anything about his relationships with his children but yeah. i have a feeling like from what i've heard he lives a rather or he did at least a rather spartan existence that was 100 percent dialed in on acting yeah, which is, that's like, yeah, and it's so, like, watching that, these movies, like, he talks about like that, like, it. All, what's great about this, like, you know, find this DVD, you know, if you have to do, like, some sort of, like, heist of your local FYI, you know, pull off that heat-like caper you have to do mm-hmm. um, to get this Pacino box set. Um, hey, for me, the box set is the juice. <laughs> yeah, it's the juice. Hey, <laughs> watch it. Don't, make sure there's no Wangros in the group. Yeah, no. Yep. That could screw everything up. You'll never <laughs> yeah. see Babylonia. Yeah. <laughs> It would, yeah, it would, it would ultimately not be worth a Pacino box set. <laughs> so we invited this guy. We wanted to watch these movies, but we invited this guy. He's a, he's a bad guy. Not a cool <laughs> dude. I don't like this guy. Really bad vibes. Yeah, he only has like a last name. I don't even think he has a first name. Yeah, uh, but uh, he um, lives for the action. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, uh, like, yeah, he talks about, like, uh, how, like, Harry Levine, the character he's playing in Chinese Coffee, like, he lives to write or he lives to perform and he has to, like, live in a certain way. And it's and it's funny because, like, I'm, like, a person who, you know, uh, I like being creative and I want to make stuff. But, like, the level of, like, uh, commitment that Al, that character portrays and that Al, Al portrays, too, like, to me, I was almost, like, in awe of, like, because you hear people like talking about that and uh and having this like such this like intense passion that like you almost like and that's like a recurring theme in his stuff too like yeah people that are like so passionate and focused on one thing that they forget everything else and they lose everything else in the process mm-hmm. um and yeah you get a sense that like in addition to like harry levine having it maybe al does too and i'm like i'm you know, in some ways, it's a little like you feel a little sympathy for that person, but in some ways, like you wish you were that person too, because then fuck, man, like, like Al Pacino makes great art, like. It, yeah, I, and I think I mean this wild. is this is a very difficult question 
yeah of kind of like what is the most worthwhile mm-hmm. thing and i mean i know it came up actually in like we were talking about kind of a darker thing with bad behavior but on uh, our first episode of the season cozy orlin this idea of um what's worth more like people or art yeah you know and like even if you're not running over people if if maybe you're just not really engaging with people as much or like engaging yeah because we're not regu- yeah we're not talking about like a, life. Yeah. we're not talking about like a mo- like in um yeah. you know abusive behavior yeah we're not like, like we're not talking about david o wrestle or something no yeah. no i mean no, or no, like no, anybody yeah. there's been yeah. many many examples yeah through exactly. the years of people who've taken things too far um you know in the service of trying to reach something transcendent yeah and kind of being i mean this is a pacino character is letting that overtake them to the point where it goes sour but they don't know that it's gone sour because the thing that they are trying to attain is something beautiful it is a diamond it is yeah. a beautiful thing and you know and i i personally struggle with that because you know i am a introverted person i do like just kind of hanging on my own and i really really appreciate art so i always yeah. like you know i mean i go to movies by myself i do all these things because oh, i like here. i like I, I, in a lot of cases i do i do like the thing more than i do like hanging out with people yeah like <laughs> honestly like it. or whatever uh. like and i mean and i don't know if that's good or bad i mean and i think yeah but i but i get i agree because i am envious of al's focus and his determination to continue to try you know he probably spent his own fucking money on local stigmatic oh 100 percent. you know and that's great that's so cool and exciting to me and it's like i want to like be with like that's how i want to spend time with my friends is like making things like that like i would prefer that in yeah. service of this like thing that's greater than us is, with these creative endeavors and i think that's why i think we both walked away so like impressed frankly I, I, with I, all this yeah and, and it's funny because like on one hand like um i'm not always like you know it's not like my i would say like these movies are cool and they're interesting and i'm glad that they exist they're definitely not like my favorite Al Pacino performances by like a mile. Like you know, what I, I mean? mean, they're not. Yeah, you know, it's not yeah, that, that, way, or it's not. They're exercises uh, though. Like heat, where you're gonna like continue to go back to them, and be like, oh, that's great, I want to watch. That. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna be like local stigmatic Tuesday, like yeah, time for another local stigmatic. But uh, hey, if if TNT's playing local stigmatic. I can come in at any time during that movie. I'm watching. <laughs> oh, I would like a hundred percent. Like I'd love to see, I would love to see local stigmatic Chinese coffee in a theater. That would be a lot of fun. Ideally with a, um, Pacino, uh, like yes, Q&A. Q&A. Absolutely. That would fucking slap. Yeah. Uh, tell the, for... tell the American Cinematheque. Oh, get God. on that. Please, please get on that. I, I, we want that so bad. Oh, yeah. Um, looking for Richard. Maybe if there was an Al Pacino q and I would do it. I wouldn't go to looking for Richard by its by its own. That that w- I feel like my one problem with looking for Richard is that, like, I watch looking for Richard and I I, 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 I come out of looking for Richard just wanting to see, like, Richard the third. Like, I want to see Al Pacino's like I got just, just, just the movie. I, okay, so 
we, we talked about this before we started the show that this was going to be a little bit more fluid. Yeah, than, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm already no, like... It's, it's great than um, our other episodes uh, when, when, we're, and when we're talking about these things. So I'm just going to give a little bit of a rundown on Looking for Richard. Um, this one was released in 1996. It is a uh, kind of documentary hybrid mm-hmm. in a sense. It's uh, technically Al's directorial debut. And uh, it's basically this documentary where Al Pacino is going around trying to examine Shakespeare's continuing relevance in the world of art and culture, especially in the United States, and how American actors play Shakespeare. And he's all doing it through this one play, Richard III, which seems to really have um, kind of led to a real obsession for him. So it's intercut between Pacino going around and talking to people on the street, talking to traditional British Shakespearean actors, to going all over the world to like Shakespeare sites, to talking and kind of workshopping with American actors, uh, the play itself, and then actual film footage of him and a pretty famous cast of Hollywood um, performing this play and it's it's really interesting um pacino is just he's everything in real life that he is on screen mm-hmm. in this film like he's you know he's he's bounding around he's he you know it needs to be said that he's wearing a backwards scent of a woman promotional baseball <laughs> cap the entire movie which, it's, it's, it's the look of the summer folks he it, it at rolls. one point is clearly filming carlito's way and looks it just looks like carlito doing all this stuff um <laughs> so you half expect him to just uh, uh pull a gale yeah gale <laughs> lights out richard <laughs> gonna drink some mead one more time Taken to the stage, taken to the boards. <laughs> Arrow to the chest. Active studio, always open to me. <laughs> <laughs> House lights up. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, it's it's really interesting. As I said earlier, it actually did pretty well at the box office. And um, Al won uh, the best director for a documentary from the Directors Guild. When wow. this came out, and I and I remember when this came out, this was like a pretty known release. When I didn't know what it was, I mean, '96, I think I was um, like a freshman in high school, but I mean, I knew. You know, we've talked about it before. I knew who Al Pacino was, and I was a fan already. And this seemed oh, yeah. like a very like, I don't know what this is. It seems kind of. I never saw it actually. This was the first time I actually saw it. Was this time around, and I, I think it was really like. It was a part of me, and I think like the brevity of local stigmatic mm-hmm. and Chinese coffee made me like, boy, looking for Richard would have been a banger at 90 minutes rather than 112. Yeah. Um, I think part but, of it too is that I, I'm like uh, Don, like I watched all these back to back today, like just marathon Sempachin. That's probably not the best. If you're going to get this box set, do it one at a time or do mm-hmm. like Chinese coffee and. Uh, and local stigmatic one day, and then do looking for Richard with the Babylon aperitif. The next my, day, uh, my order was Chinese coffee. Yep. Then a couple of days later, local, local stigmatic, mm-hmm. and then I watched Babylonia the same day as local stigmatic, and I was really feeling it. 
oh, by then I was like, Ooh, I'm, I got the, yeah. the Chino heats coming at me. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched, I closed out the group with looking for Richard. So it should also be said what, what one of the other magical things about this box set is that each of the films contain a prologue and an epilogue where Al is interviewed specifically oh. about these things and the epilogue in particular is fun because like they're like literally in a theater and the lights come up and al's like reacting to what he just saw and half it's, the time he's a little disappointed and a little embarrassed yeah um, and like i love it like he always starts off every epilogue with like what you're not crying like yeah yeah he, 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 he's kind of pissed he's kind of pissed the guy watching with him didn't get give him a reaction uh, that's a wonderful man i love that guy in the vest he rules what yeah a great... and um i didn't get a chance to but al does audio commentary oh, on all of these as well here. which i have a feeling um <laughs> someday i will watch and i someday i will maybe that's be, a bonus episode in the they future. will be freaking thrilling i imagine to hear him ramble about these projects but um so looking for richard it's al's playing richard the third and he is kind of like 50 50 in the cast of his like reenactment of it the filmed portion mm-hmm. surrounded by like old running buddies from his New York theater days, who uniformly kill it. Oh, uh, Penelope Allen, who is, of course, the head bank teller in uh, Dog Day Afternoon, crushes it. Um, Harris Eulen, who's one of you know, oh. we know him in Scarface as the yeah. dirty cop, and um, he's great. Uh, Estelle Parsons from uh, Bonnie and Clyde, oh, she's uh, very good. also uh, Roseanne and Jackie's mom from Roseanne and the Connors, <laughs> you know, <laughs> might be a little more, I was going to say relevant reference, but I'm like, I don't think that's a relevant reference. Oh, no. um, <laughs> there's interesting people who I didn't really know that well. Like I thought um, Kevin Conway was an interesting guy, oh, yeah. but I did not know as well. And then of course, Al's friend, Frederick Kimball, who uh, we got to make it very clear. Al is it. It, him and his friends walking around doing Shakespeare everywhere and asking everybody, hey, you like Shakespeare? Um, <laughs> it's like supreme dudes rocking. Oh, it's so, it's so cool. I just yeah. love, I love the idea of like, oh, sorry about that. There is a These weird 55 year old man. Yeah. <laughs> this way of walking up to you in the middle of New York. Uh, <laughs> you know like, Shakespeare? Yeah. Richard the third ever heard of him? It's awesome. But um, the, on the flip side of that, which is kind of interesting, is that, and I think this probably, like, all right, put yourself in a time machine to 1996 when I say these are hot actors. Um, in 1996, <laughs> these were newer, younger actors. Uh, so Alec Baldwin is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winona Ryder is in it. Um, Aiden Quinn is in it. Oh. And... Uh, and perhaps the most disconcerting, uh, Kevin Spacey is in it. Uh, yeah. And um, so Spacey, I was looking at, they had done um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross together by this point as well. And um, it's very clear. It what's it's it it's odd watching because there's like it's a documentary, so like you can see like Spacey in the background just kind of like working on stuff or listening, and he just kind of the eeriness of it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, like he was like lurking quite a bit, but uh, um, yeah, and, and as we said earlier too, the fact that like over time he's like copying like Al Pacino's like uh, clothing styles. He's, he's wearing also- a black 
baseball cap backwards, which we made very clear. That's Al's style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm very glad it didn't have send in the woman, send yeah, a woman yeah. on the back of it. That would have been but really disappointing. There's that eerie part where they're like, Spacey's like hugging him. And they're uh, like, it's just, it's, it's odd. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, or know, like, I don't want to like think like, yes, this is this guy who has been proven to have, well, or I don't even know if like he hasn't been proven guilty in the court of law, but I mean, it's pretty, you know, like alleged, out there. Yeah, we can say uh, like, you know, like, you know, allegedly, in, allegedly, yeah, he's allegedly. Been, he's like, a, yeah, he, allegedly he's a murder creep who's probably like, he's probably also like, what, what, like, there's like three like weird, mysterious murders surrounding people. <laughs> Yeah, two. and I, I mean, in the way he does those Christmas videos where he alludes to everything <laughs> and how he knows about everything and he knows about all the villainy in the world. It's, it's, yeah, it's terrifying. When he does this weird fucking foghorn leg horn, yeah, like, I it's, say, it's, I say. And he's truly crazy. But it's, so it's, it's interesting <laughs> because he's, yeah, it's interesting to see him kind of hanging off of Al Pacino and this. And, but, you know, and to think kind of back at this time period where, you know, him and Baldwin were. What is this? This is almost thirty years ago, so they were in their thirties. Yeah, I feel like it's like interesting because I feel like Kevin was like peaking, and then Alec was cresting. I would want to say at this Alec time. was like he hadn't gained the weight yet that kind of brought him the new gravity. Yeah, that he got him like the parts in the Scorsese movies, and of course led to um, Thirty Rock. Um, but it is interesting to see because like I think Spacey in the Shakespeare scenes kind of is does the best job out yeah. of the group. Uh Baldwin seems a bit over his head. Yeah. The entire thing. And he, you know, for a guy with so much gravity later on, he doesn't he, he seems like kind of light, light. Yeah. And you know, and God bless, I mean, I you know, I don't I, I'm a young man of the 1990s. So I'm a Winona Ryder fan. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, I think that she's, you know, she's obviously way too young compared to Al Pacino. Yeah. Uh, which, it, you know, is what it is. But, um, you know, I don't, she's not a, like a Shakespearean trained. And I think this is kind of the, one of the cr- interesting things about the movie is kind of American actors being intimidated by Shakespeare. That is a fun thorough line. Like that does like come up like a lot. There's a lot of uh, you know, you have your Jarek Jacobi's and your uh, you know, I'm trying to think of other like you know Kenny, your... Kenny Brana. Yeah, Kenny Kenny, 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 Kenny or Kenny, Kenny Branas. They're all they all wax philosophical about uh, you know, the differences between British actors and American actors and how British even, actors even our um, even our great friend Academy Academy favorite uh, Kevin Klein. Oh yeah, he's not British, but a great actor. <laughs> yeah, he's like an honorary British guy. He yeah. was in a fish called Blonda. That's pretty British. I feel, it feels, yeah. he feels he feels spiritually British. Oh, he's great. Oh, he nice, rules. Nice, he nice, nice to see him. I say that in the most positive way. Yeah. The the the, the very rare spiritually a positive because usually when I say you're spiritually British, that means you're a bad like something's wrong. wrong. It, well, it's, <laughs> it's not even bad. You're just annoying. Yeah, you're just annoying. yeah you're. <laughs> You're really into that fucking Stephen Fry game show. Yeah, you. Yeah, you're like I only watch British television. <laughs> Oof, I know some people like nothing that. Ro- yeah, I know. They nothing exist. wrong. They're nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. It's kind fine. of annoying. Nothing it's, wrong. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I. Oh god, I hate, I hate, I hate Sherlock so much. I hate. I fucking hate Sherlock. <laughs> uh, I think. Sorry, Ed- sorry, sorry for all you. Um, you royal heads. Sorry, all you royal heads. Yeah. You know who my Sherlock is? Freaking Basil Rathbone. 
That's my hashtag, my Sherlock. Uh, we, were, we were running around the house, um, just did like a sleep deprived haze the other day, pretending we were Prince Harry oh, no. after leaving the royal ha- royal world. It's just in his kitchen, like picking up items. Like, now what's this do? Because he's never <laughs> touched anything, and he's never like made anything. What is this prong? Oh, my goodness, what an incredible invention! A blender. <laughs> Oh, it's so loud! <laughs> Markle, Mark, Megan! Megan, stop! Believe it. You'll never believe it! My wallet's in there! It's all Just shreddy! Having his mind blown by like a microwave. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, he is like Ariel and Little Mermaid. He's just like, what in the hell are all these things? He's like an uh, elf. The Will Ferrell. Oh, Will Ferrell. Yeah, that's how he's Yeah, just just eating spaghetti covered in syrup. (laughs) Tastes good. It tastes good. I'm I'm a good cook. Oh, man. If we ever do a James Conn bracket, you bet your ass elf is on that bracket. Sorry. Sorry, what great James Conn film we'll have to throw off the list. Sorry. We got a James Conn bracket. I would love it. Sorry. Sorry, the gambler. Elf's taking your spot. (laughs) We can find space for the gambler. I'm trying to think of other great sorry uh sorry thief oh, <laughs> you gotta, gotta think. Yeah, that's, mean, a, that's controversial <laughs> oh, no i wouldn't do that i wouldn't do uh, that i almost but, watched uh, that let, let, oh, it's, oh it's a good one oh yeah. i know i know we know we, we all know we know, we know um but it did i think um looking virtue does, does despite his strangeness and kind of erratic quality and it's a very adventurous movie you gotta hand it to him as a director oh it's cool it's very cool um it does kind of like it does get his passion across. Mm-hmm. It does explain the play, which they yeah. fully admit is confusing. Oh, it's a super confusing. Uh, and it is like kind of like a nice, like, uh, I guess, although it is like this thing too, where it's like, it's like I'm reading, it's like they're giving me the cliff notes for this play. And I'm like, I just want to watch the play. Like, I don't, yeah. And I, don't I need think the, the, the other thing too is, you know, when we were watching it, Jen brought it up. It's like his acting. Mm-hmm. in the scenes the actual scenes from richard the third because of the way he passion his movement mm-hmm. and the way he expresses himself you don't even need to understand the dialogue to understand yeah. what's going on and what he's feeling and i boy i mean talk about that's how you make it universal you oh, yeah. see it like you don't even need to hear it and uh-huh. even though the words are beautiful and he is like i think he's like, I mean, obviously he's rehearsed it way more than the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. Oh, he's so, he's great at it. I mean, he's so like, good. Well, you know what this movie makes me want to do, which I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like this movie makes me want to watch me, a Jewish person, makes me want to watch Merchant of Venice. I I, like I, I like actually a, looked it up. I looked it up too. I wanted to go see it as well. Yeah, the the, the one he was in. I haven't seen. That's not on. That has not been even on our radar but this is this is the pacino effect yeah uh, uh patent pending trademark pending um the pacino effect is when you see one thing and then you realize there are six other things out there that are kind of comparable and you want to oh, yeah. see those too oh yeah hashtag just, pacino effect. Yeah. the hashtag pacino effect get on it and it's it, folks it's healthy oh it's good you know Oh, you, man. you don't even need to moderate it to go for it but i did too i looked up the dvd to score a copy of that too because i was curious yeah. about that as well and um yeah he's just he's alive 
he like gets the rage of this character. He gets kind of the conniving, like when he's yelling at Kevin Spacey after he becomes king. It's really like thrilling stuff. It's just, um, you know, I don't know if the like the romance scene with Winona Ryder mm-hmm. is my favorite, but boy, like the battle stuff and the, oh, the stuff leading stuff up to the battle is really like cool. And I you just like, really admire like I think one of the hardest things when you're like trying to put a project together because especially when it comes to, like a film project or really a project that is going to involve other people in general is um you have to be the most passionate about it and you have to keep that passion pretty consistent to get to get people involved and get them on the same page as you and really want to do the work at the level um you're going to do it and you have to believe in it the most and he believes in this and i just i'm so impressed because I think that's a hard place to get to sometimes. Like, I think you can fake it. You can say, like, I mean, so many of this stuff is, like, so many of the movies that come out nowadays, especially, like, the stuff that goes straight to video, VOD, it just feels like, yeah, this will work. People buy it. But it's, like... Well, yeah. I mean, so much stuff also just feels like ways to get everyone paid or, like, weird, like, because every, like, VOD thing made nowadays that has, like, Bruce Willis in it for 10 minutes, that just feels like a scam or, like, a thing. There's some that, sort of tax shelter thing happening that yeah. is way beyond our, um... Understanding. Understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, like, yeah, or even, like, uh, stuff like, uh, like, anytime there's, like, a new, like, like, the Friends revival or, like, like, it just feels like, yeah, everyone, like, got paid, like, they, asked they, got, the, they all got paid a huge amount of money. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they're not doing this out of like, I don't think anyone was like, yeah, let's go back to the friends universe. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. Well, they don't want to. And fucking God bless them. They should, they want to let it die. And they let should. It, yeah. let them, <laughs> they should like next time they have a friends reunion, let the friends, let it end with them all getting blown up in a bus but, or something. Yeah, I mean, they, but I mean, the glory is, I don't know. It's like, I really think about like, I love movies that just close things out. Yeah. And I don't think about what happens to them afterwards. It's like, okay, maybe they, maybe things went well. Maybe they, I don't care. Because it's like, you know, Sorkin, for all of his, um, he has this really interesting thought. Like, he doesn't write backstory mm-hmm. for his characters because he's like, because their story starts when my story starts. And their story ends when my story ends. Mm. And I kind of like, I dig that, like, very closed approach to like i think that that's one of the things that makes movies kind of neat is this idea of like they are born at minute zero and they die at minute 95 even if they don't die in the movie yeah (laughs) you know it's like you just like you know it's like this idea of like oh i wonder what happened to like the couple and the graduate after that bus scene like who gives a shit no right that they're there like Oh, <laughs> fantasize yeah. about it it's great <laughs> not every yeah not everything needs. or even like our friend michael clayton in the back of the taxi cab after he like declared himself shiva the god of death yeah um you know, yeah where's he gonna go he's got he's got a lot more problems still to deal with <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? i mean he's sure as hell not gonna uh open you a bakery 
That's we, Tom Wilkinson's yeah, job. Tom Wilkinson's job, but he, he's probably not going to be able to go back to work for Sidney Pollock either. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot that Sidney Pollock was a, what a great the boss. Yeah, what a great example of a director in a weird supporting acting role. He's a good actor. He's a good yeah, actor. I mean, good. obviously, I mean, not to get too off track here, but I love him in Eyes Wide Shut. Oh. I don't know. You, I, you haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut. I've never seen it. I've never oh. seen Eyes Wide Shut. It, folks, if you want us to do like just a straight up one off where we watch us watch shit and talk about it, let us know. Yeah, <laughs> we, still need, we still need to do a Synecdoche New York one off. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe mid season, you know, when we right when we start doing the commentaries. But yep. um, I need to change but, my I mean, mind. I like, I think, like, I think you're right. Like, there's this like tease element to looking for Richard where mm. the stuff where they do show the play in action where they're just filming the play, you're like, man, I want to see like just how this goes down. You know, I don't need to go back to Al Pacino on the streets doing like performance art, which yeah. is awesome too. Like, it's oh, it's cool. Like, well, like, you know movies. what? Uh, it's so funny. Like, I don't know if we're gonna cover that. I don't know if we ever talked about, but like, you know, like he made the like Salome and Wild Salome. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I mean, they're not in this box that they came a little bit later, and I. There was part of me like that nearly texted you like we gotta throw these two in. I was thinking <laughs> that too, but like maybe maybe that's a, maybe that's a bonus episode. Yeah. Who knows? But um, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm very curious about well, our and our guest Jenny Zagrino actually um, said she saw it. Oh, that's true. But uh, the one thing I, I like, I was just doing some snooping, like you said, the Pacino effect. I was snooping around at some Salome, and so the difference between Wild Salome and Salome is Wild Salome is kind of like looking for Richard, where it like incorporates like some like kind of like uh, behind the scenes stuff and like you know some documentary documentary aspects uh, to the film, and then. That later they released a cut called Salome that was just like the movie, mm-hmm. and I wish there was like a looking for Richard and then Richard. <laughs> like I wish yeah. there was, yeah, or like we found Richard. He's here. Here's Richard the Third. It's interesting though, and I think about it is that in the '90s, around this time, this is toward the end of it. There was kind of a, um, I think they could have put out a Richard because there's quite a Shakespeare revival. Oh, huge. in kind of the mainstream. What? I mean, Kenneth Branagh kind of was the one who um, led the pack. Mm-hmm. in doing it but it was oh, yeah it was it was definitely every there was quite it was a big. bit of it you know and it's like i think yeah. it was like as big as it's been as of late like the 90s that was like kind of peak shakespeare in the 20 at least in the latter half of the 20th century yeah yeah and i mean you know i, I mean if this movie made 1.4 million but i know that like kenneth brana's um you know much ado about nothing came we think we were talking about that with keanu reeves mm-hmm. uh the other day and you know in his version of um his full version of Hamlet that he shot in 70 millimeter. That was like four hours long. God bless him. That's awesome. True pimp move. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also like uh, how many, like that's like at least like three days or four days of English class right there. Mm-hmm. Like all, oh. all the 10th grade English classes, Kenneth Branagh, they thank you. Take care of it, babe. But I mean, and even something like the um, Boz Lerman, Romeo and Juliet. Ooh. I love that right around this time period as well so there was definitely like without a doubt the yeah the 90s who knows maybe people were feeling a little more intellectual i don't know yeah um, Uh, it's it's interesting that pacino brings up the status of shakespeare in america because there actually was a bit of a run yeah in the mid to late 90s on this stuff and um Another point too I want to make is like as much as uh, as much guff as I'm giving to the film for like you know kind of like being a little all over the place. You have the live action, you have like the theatrical representation, you have the documentary. Uh, you gotta 
fucking give Al Pacino kudos for like having the balls to create like this is like a truly unique piece of art. Well, it makes for a yeah, it makes for a far more interesting film than a, yeah. like a straight documentary would. He's um, it's experimental. Yeah, and he says he has a vision for it, mm-hmm. which is very cool. Yeah, he seems to be someone who like he cares. He cares about shit, and even if like it. Like even if it's not always like uh, something I'm there, something I'm there for like a hundred percent of the way. Like I'm like still in awe because it's like, oh, this is a dude who's like willing to like put himself on the line in very, in a very interesting fashion. Well, this, is, this gets to another point I we made off, off, uh, off mic, which was, um, you know, I I truly think that if Al Pacino could write, he would have tried to have a John Cassavetes like career as his as as his career progressed oh, i mean i know he likes being a movie star quite a bit but at the same time i think there is a part of him that wants to create that would have loved to do these like you know if he could have written like a two-hour version of local stigmatic himself yeah and directed that like i think i think he would have directed more i think he would have um if he if he had that because i mean cassavetes though was another guy like pacino who is just full scale hard on his sleeve you know, this is my blood. Look at me bleed. You know, kind of actor. Yeah. And um, and and just just in general, how he lived his life. I mean, I know that it's almost become a cliche to like use him as like the guiding light example of this stuff. But you know, it's kind of true. In a, in a sense, his movies are like so full of life. Mm. They're uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah you know? well and it's like there's like there's uh like yeah al pacino had like this the scribe's mind or what and who knows maybe like we'll get like a late era al pacino masterpiece uh you know knock on wood but uh like it's like he definitely has like a passion for art and like his relationship to art like uh you know like something he you know he talks about in local stigmatic for some reason why that um that uh stuck out to him that little that one act uh Heathcote Williams play is that uh it was a partially about uh uh the role of actors and famous celebrities as what I think Heathcote described as like it's like psychic capitalist I cannot remember the term something like that it was intro super fascinating and Al Pacino was super into it well it was like this thing where like it was like um like uh, apparently like there are people um people are supposed to have a certain amount of attention like people need attention like attention is like you know water and food and i think it's, that's even like a line in the play or whatever but there are like people that fucking like you know uh you know some people fucking i think to quote Pacino or Hathcote, my brain's fried at this point. Um, some people, you know, uh, take uh, creme brulee. Some people have creme brulee. And then, uh, or maybe this is his character in the movie. My brain's all over the place. But like, uh, some people take creme brulee and some people are left with nothing and they need that attention. And that's part of why his character in the local cinematic was like attacking that actor because he was like capitalizing. He, like, he's like a, he's like a psychic capital. Like he's taking away, he's taking it. To, he took attention from everyone else. He takes so much attention from everyone else. I think, um, I think that theme is clear in Chinese coffee. Oh yeah, let's get too. into that. And yeah. So the third film in the batch, outside of the documentary Babylonia, which we'll touch on briefly after this, mm-hmm. uh, is from 2000, also directed by Al Pacino, um, a two-hander, 
mm-hmm. based upon a play by Ira Lewis mm-hmm. called Chinese Coffee. And the other actor in it is the great Jerry Orbach. And, yeah, we were saying, like, this might not make Al Pacino's bracket Chinese coffee, but I think Orbach's <laughs> performance is like. Oh, easy. <laughs> like, this would make the Orbach bracket. Oh, yeah. It's 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 a pretty because, you know, Al, what I love. One another thing I love about Al is he's not afraid to play the beta mm-hmm. of the group. Oh, yeah. Because Jerry is the alpha dog. Yeah. out of these two and this is essentially it's a it's it's in essence um one place one room although al does some interesting things like he doesn't looking for richard and kind of attempting to open the play up cinematically yes um oh and it should be mentioned that this played at the telluride film festival in 2000 it screened at the 2000 tribeca film festival where it was introduced by robert de niro of all people huh. um and so basically it's about these two New York intellectuals, uh, Harry and Jake. Harry is Al and uh, Jake is uh, Jerry. And um, they're both very smart, very erudite guys. Yes. And, um, but they are not successful Mm-mm. guys. Uh, Al is um, trying to be a novelist, uh, but it's, you know, he's, it's, the one, you know, before I lose this thought, you know, the one thing that really struck me was this idea of like being Al Pacino's character, Al's age, and still like dreaming of a job. Oh man! But Which I, th- it, I think it's very interesting, a very scary. You know, I think everybody feels that though. Well, like when you see, like, oh, totally. And then when you see him in the doorman outfit in the beginning, you're like, oh no, buddy. Like it's like that's already like the first red flag is him. Him being fired from his uh, being a doorman at a, a snooty French restaurant. So he he gets fired. He's out of a job, and he goes to visit his friend Jake, who's a photographer, mm-hmm. um, and uh, once wrote two short stories. Very key. Once wrote two short stories in like college that were quite good. That's a very <laughs> important thing about um, Jake. Well, yeah, and, um, and, and Jake's a- wild insecurity in, in behind all of his braggadocious. Uh, surface confidence um harry has written another novel that it seems pretty autobiographical about both himself and about jake and he's asked jake to read it um and jake you can tell from the start because jake throws it in his freezer when al comes <laughs> over Classic and says he didn't read it and then slowly but surely it's revealed that jake read it and he feels very offended by it now patrick i 100 believe this book is good and that's what is actually really bothering Jake is that it's about him. Yeah. And Harry did it. He oh, wrote yeah. a good book that will, if the, if Harry's luck were to continue, mm-hmm. this would actually write, raise Harry from the stage. Beta to alpha. If, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the entire thing is that, that, Jake does not want that to change. Jake mm-hmm. likes being in charge of this guy. Jake likes pontificating this guy. Jake likes lecturing to this guy. Yeah, well, Jake is think... the only one person he has at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and they, I mean, they've, they've... Jake has a very strange relationship with this rich woman that um, I don't know if I can fully explain. No, nah, it's not really clear. And, and Al um, was in love and he broke up. 
yeah. with his girlfriend. And um, it's basically just kind of this deterioration of this friendship throughout mm-hmm. this scene. It's kind of um, like the local stigmatic. It's about two friends kind of just having this continuous conversation and being kind of um, upset about their station in life. Um, but I think it's it's really like both Orbach and Al are just so professional mm-hmm. and good. And what's the, um, what does Al say? It's um, like, a, like a zinger in me. Oh, like, man. Uh, you know, he's, he does this monologue about having this like thing growing inside of him. And it really turned the entire movie for me. It's like mm-hmm. when he's really like laying it out there, like, you know, I wanted something in life and I've got this thing growing in me and it's like hurts so much that I can't like, I'm here, but I'm going to keep like, you know, it's, it, it, there's, they find, despite the fact that this is another thing, like the other two, it's this, it's a, it's a vanity project that no one, it was not made for in any sense to be kind of like passed around. Like, right. You know, like for a, like a huge audience or anything like that, but they find truth in it. it yeah. There is like the, it is so funny. Like these, these films, like local Sonatic, probably more so than Chinese coffee, but both of them have like this quality of like, uh, it's almost like you've uncovered like those, um, those Orson Welles, like peas commercial, like, uh, like, you know, uh, eggs, like, you know, those outtakes or like the, uh, or like, you know, Willie, those William Shatner, uh, bloopers, like, yes. Except it's not depressing. Oh no, it's not depressing at all. And they're, they're good, but it is like this thing too. But I guess like the only thing I'm saying is that like, it's just, it's only similar in the sense that like, uh, it feels they're very personal. I mm-hmm. guess is what I'm trying to say. Even more personal than those things I'm saying, but like, but personal in a way that like, uh, you can see why, like, like, I feel like Al Pacino, like they're like, I feel like Al Pacino is putting himself out in both these films in a way that like, uh, um, like, it's like you're, it's like when you were talking about our top 10 movies and we were talking about Boogie Nights, how like, you know, in some ways, because like Boogie Nights is so great because, uh, P.T. Anderson was so like green around the ears or whatever that he would he wouldn't like the P.T. Anderson of like now would probably be ashamed of some of the stuff he like the way the amount of like his heart that he let out to the world. Mm-hmm. And so well, think, like yeah, yeah, I think like there's a level, and I don't mean this this word in a disparaging or negative sense. Yeah. Um, to be a truly successful artist, and by mm-hmm. successful artist, I don't mean financially. I mean like creatively yeah to touch fulfilled. yeah you have to be shameless yeah like lack and i mean but what i mean by that is lacking shame at the highest level which but the problem is is like that's a very hard thing to drop once you've yeah. started down the shame train well, you know? oh yeah we're the shame boys we know this As we would know yeah, yeah. <laughs> well and, and it's it, like yeah it's almost like you have to like get there's like a level of like zen or so i don't know mm-hmm. because you know a true actor when you mm-hmm. really believe them and when you're faced with something like we know Al Pacino is successful, mm-hmm. but when he's playing um, Harry in this film, you believe him as this guy who's not successful, who wants to be, who still dreams and still wants to be successful. Like he's a relatable character in this. He's, I mean, he's not a huge asshole. Like I think um, Jake is an asshole, but I like, I kind of liked Harry. Yeah. No, I like, I think Harry's like a, a decent 
I think his character is like a decent. He comes off good in this. In this, he's, in like, sing, he's single-minded, but he's not a jerk about it. Oh no, yeah. If anything, it's just like it's, and you want him to have this book because it is like you're on his team in the end, in the sense that like, yeah, he feels that like he's at a certain age. He's you know had his like licks or whatever. He's taken his he's taken the beatings. And mm-hmm. he deserves to have his little piece, and it's such a it's such a brutal moment when, uh, you know, Orbach brings up like how much he hates the play, and like, and then he brings up the other thing where it's like, you know, it feels like you're taking from my life or whatever. But, you know, yeah, it's almost like let them all talk or whatever. That's what it reminded me of a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think Orbach's character and um, you know, he's a little bit more outwardly confident, but his character and Candace Bergen's character very similar in um Let Them All Talk. Yeah, very yeah. similar. It's but you know, when your friend isn't successful yet and you're doing that to them. Oh, and you're both it's... these 50-year-old men. Oh, it's horrible. Like, I mean, it's it's really I, again another curio, another um you know, it's very all of these like but it's it's so neat that they exist and this was another one that you know al pacino withheld it until this dvd release Mm -hmm. and um the this is not streaming and local stigmatic are not streaming and i think it's kind of a shame yeah it does suck because it's like they're really especially like i don't know if i was like a young actor i feel like these would be like a very um interesting viewings like i feel like especially or like i don't know like i think they're just like if you're interested in like you know uh artists who are take their craft seriously mm-hmm. like this would be a good viewing because i think there's so few um i can't even think of like directors well they don't let you in like this where it's i mean like yeah most directors and i think rightfully so i wouldn't i think yeah i've always told um yeah if i ever made a film that got seen yeah i would do my damnedest to never explain anything to anyone publicly about it totally you know, fair. i would like want to. i would want to keep the veil up you know i like the way david lynch answers questions to these things like i don't know decide for yourself yeah <laughs> you, know? And, <laughs> you know and i and because i think that you know and especially I think for you know directing or like the if you're a filmmaker in a lot of cases you know at least the way I think about it it's a one-way conversation I'm preventing I'm saying something for someone to take in and then I'm no longer in the conversation Mm -hmm. and I think what Al's doing here with these in particular is he's presenting a full circle look at this entire thing because that's what this entire dvd box it is it's this look at you know it's not called al pacino three films it's called an actor's vision the box set and it is this complete full circle look at what he does his thought process what got him there and a few examples of like truly kind of his passions so i think that like you may have like killed yourself watching them all in a row but there is kind of a reward i think because they are all despite being wildly different stories there are they are kind of the package is kind of remarkably put together oh it's so yeah it's a it's a cool like everything about it is like it's kind of like a weird blessing that like it's like like we've said like yeah there's literally 
There's nothing else like this. There's truly not another piece of media. Like, I can't, I, there's no other actor that has done this. It's like, I don't know. Like, And you so, could easily make an argument that it's purely an absurd, arrogant vanity project, which it kind of is. Yeah, but like... But it's who like, cares? That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's also like, even if it is, like, it's not like... You get, a, you get that sense, we were talking about the shamelessness, like you get like a sense that like there's a purity to this. Like this isn't like, like no one makes the local stigmatic, uh, you know, to like prove they're like the best or to like uh, get like awards or like. Their, it's not like an ego thing. No. In a weird way. None of, yeah. As odd as like putting out a box set with your face on it looking very serious yeah. this is an actor uh, i mean i guess like oh, i do wonder like it's not, it's not like paul pacino i wonder if pacino i mean maybe he did design it i don't know i get i think he was very hands-on on it interesting but, because I, it's because it's so unique in how it's designed with those uh prologues and epilogues that is true which yeah. is not something you see on very many dvds that stuff does um work. yeah but then that, that brings us to the fourth bonus disc, which is, I think, even harder to find than these three films, which is this hour-long documentary called Babylonia, where we go to the actor's studio with Al Pacino, and he just kind of tells stories about being there. And yep. it's really, really fun. And and so, in it, some ways, it might be my favorite yeah. of the four, just because of, like, it's just because, like, Al Pacino, it is basically just, like, a... Al Pacino telling stories like WTF style, like it rules. Yeah, and he's completely comfortable. He's completely at ease. He loves telling acting stories. He does mm-hmm. that one like, oh, Marlon would have been such a Shakespearean oh, actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to see Marlon Brando do Shakespeare. Yeah, he's, not, I thought I didn't see him in The Godfather. Yeah, he's, um, Al is wearing like Al's everyday attire of oh, the, yeah. the V-neck shirt the leather jacket and the absolutely gigantic joggers that kind of hides his girth. Um, Looks like a magician in the Burt Wonderstone movie. I mean, he um, look of the week goes to Al Pacino himself. Yeah. Across the board (laughs) on all of these things, whether it's his looking for Richard looks or his, even his beret in Chinese coffee. You know, he, he's got it going on in all these movies. He's alive through all these things. Yep. I, you know, I think these are all curios mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And, you know, I think listeners can probably get an idea that we're, we're going to get to this point where we're going to do these belong, do any of these movies belong in the tournament. And I, I, I think like in particular Chinese coffee, I think performance wise. Yeah. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, no. I think they're great supplements to the tournament to make yeah. you um, appreciate kind of the heights that he hits in like Godfather two or dog day afternoon or Scarface, but um, they're just a little too minor key as like movies and performances in their own right. They are exercises more so than grand statements. Yeah. I, I, the, yeah. They're definitely like, um, I think it's just like um, a great supplement. Like if I, uh, you know, if we were treating Al Pacino like a, uh, like if we were treating this tournament like we were like teaching a class or something, like we would have, like this would be on the list of like Al Pacino, like if you'd have to watch Chinese coffee, you'd have to watch, like if you're doing like the history of Pacino, 
but like, yeah, I don't know if any of them, yeah, maybe Chinese coffee you could put on the, I could see taking it. I don't even know where you would put them. That's I don't think, too. see, I think we are 16 is so strong. Yeah. I think that they all make sense where they're, where they're at. I yeah. Mean, Cause like, I guess like maybe you take out insomnia and put in Chinese coffee, but like insomnia is good though. Insomnia is an important late period performance though. That shows he still kind of got the juice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, I would, I would tell listeners if you're interested, if you kind of, if you, if the Pacino effect has uh, struck you, mm-hmm. seek this out. I think it's worth spending a few extra bucks on eBay. I mean, it wasn't. I bought the cheapest one on there, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say it was all that cheap. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I mean. I probably paid kind of what you would have paid for it in 2006, brand new off the shelf, which, you know, uh, but if you're, if you, if I, I'm so happy I own it though. Like I'm thrilled that it's going to be out of it, that it's in my collection and that I can go back and look at these movies. And I want to listen to those audio commentaries. I think, um, I think this is really cool. And it just kind of adds another dimension for me in my fandom of Al Pacino and my appreciation of what he does. Yeah, I would say the same, like the same, uh, also like surprisingly, like um, I was like Chinese coffee, like a kind of a subdued, not a super hua. I no. think local stigmatic has its hua moments. Definitely. Like, Oh man, just it's like possible for him. Not, I mean, he's delivering monologues in a thick Cockney accent. Oh man. Hearing, <laughs> uh, hearing Al Pacino in his, Pacino Cockney accent saying dirty little whip it kind of rules. It's yeah, pretty I mean, good. it's it's all worth it. Oh, um, there's probably there's definitely, as we know, clips on YouTube of local stigmatic. So seek them out, check it out. These are cool things. More people should know about them, I think. Um oh, 100%. And, and I'm thrilled that we did this episode. This was a real pleasant surprise. Um, we alluded to something at the top of the episode. Mm. that is on the special features so on looking for richard during the epilogue where there's the interview with the guy talking to al pacino but the guy also talks to alec baldwin who drops in and alec baldwin gave us a piece of um information yes that to me is an all-timer so He's talking about looking for a dream, kind of just being like, a, like, like we said, this is all straight from the mind and the soul and the heart of Al Pacino. And Alec Baldwin puts it better than I think Patrick or I could. Yes. Looking for Richard could only have come from the mind of Al Pacino. Certainly not from Sal Pacino or David <laughs> Pacino. No, just Al Pacino. So who are Sal Pacino and David Pacino, Al? Alec? <laughs> Is it like some sort of Huey, Dewey, Steve, and Louie? Like, do you think everyone has a series of actor brothers like you do? Yeah. <laughs> Not everyone has three less successful brothers, Alec. Get that out of your head. Yeah. So I think as we close out this episode, I just want to say that Al Pacino, an actor's vision, as we all know, could have only come from the mind of Al Pacino. 
but there are certainly more than a handful of people. And I think we should mention all of them who it could not have come from the mind of <laughs> Mitchell Pacino. Oh, no way. No way. No Sorry, way. brother. Uh, Sorry, buddy. G- G- Gordon Pacino. No, <laughs> Gordon, sir. Hell, <laughs> hell no. Uh, Neil Pacino. Get the hell out of here. You're not <laughs> Get the hell involved. out of here, Neil. Uh, uh, Al Pacino's uh, Canadian brother, Gord Pacino. Gord, Gord Pacino. <laughs> um, Get out of here, Gord. Wonderful actor, but this just does not have the mind. Curtis <laughs> Pacino. <laughs> oh, Curtis, yeah. Get out of here, Curtis. Get out of here, Curtis. Timothy Pacino. Little Timothy. Little, little Timothy Pacino. I mean, Al's yeah. short, but little Timothy is very short. <laughs> He's bite-sized. Yeah, he fits in, um, in Al's pocket. He played the mouse in Serpico. Monty Pacino. <laughs> Um, Monty Pacino. I mean, I'm sorry, mm. you know. Um, oh, I also forgot. Um, Al Pacino's French cousin, Ooh. quite the mind himself, but not the mind. Uh, Michelle Pacino. Michelle Pacino. <laughs> that's like uh, that's like the other. That's the Urkel version of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when Al of course. The of course, but of course, the one mind though that could do it, as Patrick mentioned earlier, Alec. Pacino. Oh yeah, Alec Pacino. <laughs> Which is, uh, uh, I want to see Alec Pacino. I want to see Alec Baldwin doing an Al Pacino impression. So I don't know. Alec Baldwin probably does not remember recording that inane sentence. Yep. But the Academy Academy does not forget. Oh <laughs> and yeah. Will never will. Never will. <laughs> so for Patrick, for Sal Pacino, and for David Pacino, I'm Don. With the Academy Academy. We're back in the tournament next week. Awesome. Later. <laughs> <laughs>